Hello all and welcome to the Triple H Podcast. Happy Hour Hoops, your one-stop shop for enjoying a cold beverage and listening to our ice-cold basketball takes. Today, we have a special episode, a little Sunday matinee, Happy Hour Hoops, afternoon college hoops talks on a Sunday, the last Sunday before March starts. So that means the madness will begin soon. Dunny and Jake, as always, and joined by a reoccurring guest, Stevie R college basketball expert here i'm gonna be playing a lot of hosts today throwing some lobs to, <laughs> to stevie because he knows much more about college hoops than i and uh yeah we're gonna get right into this i, I mean we can start with a historic day that we had yesterday in college Bro, yesterday was fucking crazy <laughs> insane Seven top 10 teams lose, one through six all lose. And then I think that sums up the beauty of what this college basketball season has been to where last year, I know it happened to you guys once last year, more close towards the tournament, where I was telling you there were two teams that were separated from the rest. It was Gonzaga and Baylor. It was Gonzaga and Baylor. It didn't matter. This year, yes. it's really tough to put two teams above the rest. I think there is a group of a dozen teams right now that can all make cases that all have their own specific weaknesses, that all have their own strengths to make a deep run in March. And I'm very curious for these next two weeks, the conference tournament starting up, because that's when we're going to learn more about these teams. You have, you know, playing back to back to back days against elite competition night after night. Yeah, You're really going to see which teams kind of come out on top. Cause right now guys, I don't really think there's one or two teams that I'm completely in love with. There's a lot of teams I like, but there's a lot of teams I have concerns on. It's going to be a fun couple of weeks. I can't wait for it personally. Cause I think this tournament, we could see a chalk final four, or we could see absolute chaos. And those are my favorite type of years. Yeah. It's not, it's not really like last year where we're, it was kind of Gonzaga Baylor all year yeah. long. And we're they were beating teams just... by 20 a game. Yeah. Like every single <laughs> every, night. Every night. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, yeah, and speaking of that, let's get into Gonzaga then, Dunny, because yes. they're one of these teams we got to talk about today. They number one seed lost along with a lot of other top teams who lost yesterday. Gonzaga, Stevie, what what do you got here? No, you, no panic for you, panic, or what? What are we thinking here? It's hard to say panic, right? When six the top six teams all lost it's hard yeah, to say true, right? all of them first okay. before we dive into gonzaga i want to give credit to saint mary's they finally true. did it they finally beat gonzaga at home they needed this this is a huge win for them you know for the past what five or so years saint mary's has been that bubble team that never has that big win that pushes them over the edge it's always like they're waiting at the end do we get in do we not they beat Gonzaga here. St. Mary's locked into the tournament. Congratulations to them. Huge win over a team that they've struggled with the past couple of years. For Gonzaga, I think 57 points is a little bit concerning that's, against that's St. Mary's. The, that's the shocking thing, I think, of this, the whole box score. Like, that's all you have to look at. This is a Gonzaga team, right, Stevie, that puts up like 80, 90 easy, well, that's especially the thing. against this competition. <laughs> the, the past three or four years, this Gonzaga team scoring 85, 90 points at will. They were averaging, <laughs> I think, over 90 points in their conference games this year. They're gifted offensively, second overall in the country in adjusted offense. To see them only put up 57. Now, St. Mary's a solid defensive team, but that is a little bit concerning here. And it kind of goes back to my biggest concern probably a couple months ago about Gonzaga is can I trust their guards come tournament time? They got a bunch of solid guards. You got Julian Strother, Andrew Nemhard, and Rasir Bolton, mm -hmm. who are all, you know, 
they can stretch the floor. They can play fast. They can all shoot the outside shot. But unlike last year where they had Jalen Suggs who could take over the game if they needed someone True. to where their True. offense wasn't working. Because Gonzaga plays a style of offense where I bring back similar to the Spurs days, you know, where they had Popovich, where they're just getting guys open looks. They're playing quick. They're playing a lot of off-ball movement, getting guys wide open, and that's how Gonzaga likes to play. They like to run the floor. They like to share the ball. Almost every possession, you'll see almost everyone on the court will touch the ball for Gonzaga. But they don't have that guy like Suggs when that's not working. They're like, all right, we need this guy to take over. They don't really have that. Their best player is obviously Chet Holmgren, the freshman. Everyone's been talking about him this year. He looks like the most unique basketball player we've seen in a while. Seven foot one tall frame. His wingspan's enormous. He's as skinny as skinny can be. He's skinnier than any of us. I mean, he is, he's a, he's built like a twig, but he can dribble. He can play off the ball. He can play. He can dribble off the ball, create his own shot. Great inside defense with his wingspan for blocking. I like Chet Holmgren a lot. He's a very unique player. It's going to be very hard for teams to match up with a player like his. But is Chet Holmgren going to be a guy? A game is disgusting. It's it's incredible. It we got we got that another guy, I think, on Auburn who averages over a block more than that per game. Yeah. But Holmgren Jeez, is – he's just – he's very unique in my mind. Is he someone that – can score 25-30 if they need him in the tournament? I don't know. And then mm. we got through Timmy, the other big guy. Everyone loved Drew Timmy from the run last year, but my biggest mm. concern with Drew Timmy, and it's been the biggest concern every year with Timmy, when he matches up with someone as big as him who's stronger than him, you know, a little more athletic, is he going to, you know, he rise up to the challenge? He hasn't really in the past – and he kind of got lucky because he faced a lot of teams that were smaller than him where he could dominate inside. His post moves are elite. That will never change. But on the defensive side, I'll tell you what, guys, the other elite teams this year, they have a lot of good big men. It's going to be a big challenge for Timmy. And that's my biggest concern for Gonzaga is last year they were able to dominate defensively down low and offensively down low with Timmy. This year it's a bigger challenge with the elite big men across all the top teams. I mean, you look at the top 10 teams this year, the main thing they have in common, (laughs) almost every single one of them has a guy down low. What is up with that? Why does this happen in college basketball where everyone has their own set? Everybody's got dudes, bro. It's it's crazy. (laughs) It's actually crazy. And that's my biggest concern with Gonzaga because last year I was like, they have the advantage down low. And this year they kind of do with Holmgren. Exactly, <laughs> except against Baylor, because Baylor wasn't even that much bigger than him. They were just strong. They were just a physical athletic. team. Yeah. There is a team that reminds me of Baylor. We can get to that later. We'll get later. to them. Yeah, we'll but get to them. One of the things about guys, Gonzaga, you said everything that worries me about Gonzaga this year. Yeah. Like, you, you tied that into a beautiful bow, because you've watched more of them than I have this year. But from what I've watched this year... Timmy, Timmy and Holmgren are incredible, and you can do that against the competition they play in their conference. But the guard play is not consistent enough. And when you get right. to March, what is it you need in March? It is a guard. It is you the lead guard who can take over play. a game. Elite yes. guard play. And you can see a scenario. This is, I think this is the tea leaves. This is the foreshadowing with the 57 points. 
is that against a good team, this is a good, good St. Mary's team. This is one of their better. They're always good. They're always the best competition for Gonzaga, but this is a really good team this year. Yes. And when they played a good competition, this is a, this is a game that could happen against any of the five teams that lost yesterday too for Gonzaga. Just the, and, and exactly what you said too. It's the athleticism that they lack that Auburn, I think Auburn, Arizona, all these teams behind them, I think, are have an athleticism advantage over Gonzaga just because of the athletes they have. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see because this team is there. You know, everybody wants us to like this. Somebody eventually this team will break through. Is yeah. this going to be the year that it happens? I, I don't, don't know. It, it looks iffy because I don't know. Not yeah, iffy, I would, but you know what I mean. I was more inclined last year to say that was the year they break through. And it really was. They just ran into a buzzsaw mm. with Baylor. And we kind of said it last year. If that Davion. Baylor team at its peak, no one's beating them. Davion, Butler. I mean, that team was so much fun. They were great. This year with Gonzaga, the biggest concern. They have two concerns, right? And I think you brought it up before the show too, Jake. Chet Holmgren, great player. He can get into foul trouble a lot. And if he gets into foul trouble in the tournament, that's a, a big huge, game. Yeah. a huge concern. Because yeah. now you have Timmy who has to play against these other elite big men. There's so many teams that have elite big men this year that can match up against Timmy and kind of dominate him. And Gonzaga's bench is just weak. It's not like last year where they could pull guys off the bench and just plug, plug them in. They don't really have much depth, and it's really inexperienced. A couple freshmen off the bench, the best one being Hunter Salas. And then Anton Watson is usually the guy they'll throw in if Holmgren I do or like Timmy Watson. gets I in think trouble. he has I think he can like create him. a little bit, but he doesn't they don't give him a lot of opportunities to create. That's no. the thing. And he's a and little he, undersized. He does, and he's a little chaotic too. He does yeah. have a little chaos to him, but he's he's a little undersized. He's a little unpredictable. And he's also a type of guy that where you just kind of get worried on the offensive end. What what's he gonna do when he gets the ball? Yeah. With yeah. with Timmy and Holmgren, one thing I really like about Timmy and Holmgren, I loved about Timmy last year, he gets the ball in the paint. He's immediately looking to try to kick it out to someone on the wing, someone to get a shot. Timmy is a great you know playmaker for a big man. Watson, not really that. And Chet has really improved from the start of the year to now in terms of his playmaking abilities and everything else. I like Gonzaga, but I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on them making a deep, deep run this year just because if they get matched up against a team that can match up with their size, it, it could be a big problem. You know who else I think they're missing a lot this year? I, I know I'm kind of backtracking a bit, but we talked about Jalen Suggs, and they do have some shooters this year, but I feel like they're missing Kispert a lot too. Yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. Elite Corey shooter. Kispert elite. He talked shooting. about the experience too. I mean, like he just – um I feel like any time in big games, like Kispert was kind of that steady, that steady hand. You know, they had Jalen Suggs, who was the athletic guard. They had Timmy and the, you know, the solid big man. But Kispert yeah. kind of just tied everything together for that, for that group. I feel like, yeah, yeah, they have shooters. They have guys who can knock down open shots this year. But you know, you really miss a guy like that too. Yeah, and Kispert was someone who could almost like create his own shot too in college. He yeah. doesn't really do that as much in the NBA because no. it's a little hard. But he for him can. Now. He was but pretty college, good at taking like a screen from Timmy. Shot. Taking yeah. a screen from Timmy and coming around and like pulling up from the dribble like that, like he was yeah. very, very good at that last year. I agree. And I, I, I will say, a Rasir Bolton could be a big X factor. He can shoot lights out. He can't create his own shot. And I like Nemhard a lot. I wish Nemhard would have taken a bigger step forward. I really thought he was going to be the guard, not as good as Suggs was last year, but kind of come into that role a little bit more. He hasn't completely. 
But those are still guys. I mean, you never know. We've seen players take steps come postseason basketball. Maybe that could be a we'll see. That's true. See, real, the real, quick, bef- real quick before we move on from Gonzaga. I know we talked about this a little before we hopped on. And you, you gave some inter- interesting NBA comparisons for our guy Chet here. Oh, yeah. I, I, w- I want you to talk a little bit about that. What, what do you see once once Chet's done at Gonzaga? What, what is his future like in the NBA? Because ultimately, I mean, we think he's he's making it there. He's yeah. probably going to be a high pick soon enough. He should what, what, be a top five pick would be my guess. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing for Chet, he's got to hit the weight room, gain about 20 pounds of muscle. He, he can't get away with that come the NBA, his size. I mean, he's just he just get dominated down low by these NBA bigs if he doesn't gain weight. But he has one of the most unique frames for basketball. He's a seven-foot-one guy who can dribble. Like, he can he can score off the dribble at seven-foot-one. That's very rare to see. He's a lot quicker than the other, you know, seven footers in the NBA who can make their own plays. Embiid, Jokic, those guys usually do it with their big frame, you know, the spin, get open. Chet can just go right by you. He's quick. He's got a long wingspan, and he's very athletic. The big thing with him is you just got to get a little bit more muscle on him. I consider him kind of like Porzingis because he can shoot the outside shot. Yeah, He can make his own play, but he's a bit more gifted in terms of basketball skills than I think Porzingis will be. He can dribble a lot better. He's a better playmaker. So I said a Porzingis, Jaron Jackson kind of hybrid because Jackson's not the tallest guy in the world, but if you watch Jackson, he plays like he's seven foot at times and he can shoot the ball offensively. He can move off the dribble. I kind of like Holmgren as a mix between those two, but until he can get to that point, he's got to just put some muscle on, put some weight on, feed him, some, give him some cheeseburgers, make him work out. Bro, a go little to bit. Shake Shack. Yeah, exactly. Like, God, I mean, because he's got the bad, he's, he's got the hard part done already. He's got yeah. the basketball skills and he's yeah, seven he's nasty, one. Yeah. Like, that's, you don't yeah, see he that takes, every day. He takes three strides and can go from basket to basket. Exactly. Dude. So is he basically diet Evan Mobley? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah. I okay. I, I actually don't hate that comparison. I wanted to say Evan Mobley, but it's kind of hard to compare to a guy who's only been in the league for a little over half a year. I even right mean now. I mean from last year, even like no, coming yeah, out of the no. But I think yeah. that's a very fair comparison. Mobley was a little bit stronger, and I think Holmgren's a little bit more gifted. On Mobley's the a little bit more defensive. Yeah, Mobley's a little bit better defensively. I would yeah. say. De- like oh, that de- definitely. Mobley yeah. at his peak could be a top five defender in yeah. the NBA in a few years. I don't All think right, Holmgren but- will ever get there, but he has the wingspan to make up for he it. He could, yeah. And he, he won't, yeah, he could be not a sieve. That's that's right. basically what it, yeah, exactly. He's not can we make can we make fun of Arizona for a couple minutes? Because <laughs> we could try we can try. Jake's been dying no. to do this. I really, I really no, I want to make fun of Purdue way more than I do Arizona. But Arizona <laughs> is this team and Stevie, I love that your note is exactly what I say because I'm always an anti-Arizona guy because this feels like every Arizona team for the last 15 years. So what is the difference with this? This is the thing. The thing with Arizona that I think all year, they split obviously with UCLA um, so far this year. But when it comes down to Pac-12 tournament time and when it comes down to tournament time, I'm picking UCLA over Arizona every single time in what in those one-game scenarios at this point. Is there anything that I should – that I'm missing there on that as we're looking at the Pac-12 as a whole and Arizona – as a contender for the national title. 
Arizona is a weird one to me because I, I, like you said, I'm always anti-Arizona guy. So at the beginning of the year, I'm like, ah, I don't really care about Arizona. I'll tune it to them mm-hmm. when they start impressing me and they just kept winning. They just kept playing well. They did. And they're an interesting team because they're pretty balanced. They're 11th in offensive efficiency, 13th in defensive efficiency, and they play fast. They're at the sixth fastest pace of any team in college yeah. basketball right now. That's true. And it's weird to see a team play quick like that, but also have a very good defense like they do. And the, a lot of it is because they have, guess what, guys, a ton of size. Uh, we're going to see a theme with a lot of these teams. Arizona, a ton of size. You got Coloco, Tubelis, and Abalo, who are all, I believe, seven foot tall, just big dudes down low, can get boards. They're not the most gifted offensive players, but they can get boards, dominate inside the paint. Arizona, to me, the biggest concern is their you know, perimeter scoring. They're 132nd right now in three-point shooting. And outside of three-point shooting, they don't really score much outside of the paint besides two players, and that's Benedict the Thurm, who's one of the, you know, top prospects right now. And then Care Creesa, great name, Care Creesa. All these names this year are just fantastic. These are, they are great names, too. I can't wait you to hear You won't know Jim how Nance to spell half of them, but they're, they're fantastic names. And obviously people in college basketball, I think the hardest thing is to learn names. As the tournament it starts, is. the conference yeah. tournaments and the NCAA tournament, that's when the common college basketball fans will learn all the names, put a name with the face. Arizona, they got two guys who can score on the outside, Mathurm and Carissa. That That's really all it is. And if either of those guys go cold or get in foul trouble, it could be a big problem for them. They have so much size to make up for it because as fast as they play, it's tough to score on them. It really is. Arizona has just yeah. too much size inside the paint. And I like Benedict a lot. He's averaging 17, 5, and 2. He's made 63s this year. And he's got great size for a guard. He's six foot six, long wingspan, super athletic, and he can score from anywhere. His biggest concern, though, he doesn't really make the players around him better. And when you have a guy mm. like that, if they don't really have any other answers offensively who starts to take over like he can. He's going to start getting doubled. He's going to get bumped a little bit in these yeah. games. And he's got to be a little bit better of a playmaker. He reminds me like almost like an Andrew Wiggins, Chris Middleton, where he can shoot. He can create his own shot. He's very gifted offensively. Okay, defender. But he's got to find a way to you make don't his team create, better. Arizona, you, don't want to, you don't want him to create for other people is what you're kind of saying. Right, like, exactly. And, and that's the – That's the biggest, I think, concern for me with Arizona is – the rest of their scoring just comes inside the paint. And mm-hmm. we talked about this with Gonzaga. You're going to face teams that can match up with your size and your athleticism in the paint for all yeah. these elite teams. And, yeah, even if you have an easy road the first couple of weeks to March Madness, you're going to yeah. face one of these teams eventually. So, so Arizona – Arizona. Also, too, they always choke in March, guys. They yes. they always fall apart. And this may be biased because I got my Buffalo shirt on. Buffalo shut down DeAndre Ayton, Jeremy Harris. We'll never we'll never forget that unbelievable it game. It was a great moment. But but I just it, it feels like a little bit of a different team for Arizona. I just I just I, until they finally prove to me they can string together some wins, wins in March. Nah. I'm Stevie, we're not picking them. We're not picking Arizona. I'm not picking them. No. When we, when we get to our them. when we get to bracket shows, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm picking Arizona to get upset in the round of 32. Like I can already see it in my bracket. Like I can see like I'm, I'm sliding in whatever seven seed they're gonna play 
in the second round, 100%, I'm picking them. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. You, you got to make right. sure, though, if they do face an undersized team, they will dominate them. Arizona dominate, against yeah. a team that can't match up their size, they will dominate you. They will swarm you. And that's I cannot I believe, believe what you're going to say about Purdue, Jake. If this is if if you have if you have worse stuff for Purdue and you're you're going at Zona like this, this is nah, this see, is going to be good. See, Arizona has kind of see Arizona. My Arizona hate was more of a Sean Miller hate, and that he's obviously not a part of the organization anymore. The organization, the university anymore. But you I know. think that it's still it still feels like this team does not feel any different than any Arizona team that I've seen in the past. Um, I've been burned by Arizona too many times as a former, I would say I've also as a former, I'm not a Duke fan anymore, but growing up, I was a Duke fan. I would say JJ Reddick lured me in, uh, those couple years, big loss to Arizona to Derek Williams. Never, never will forgive them for that. I could never, that game, (laughs) that game is, I, I, you know, that remember that windmill dunk? Because it's burned into my memory watching <laughs> Derek Williams windmill <laughs> Duke. It's a great dunk, but this, I was. This so is hurt. how you win picking so picking them to lose in the first Fuck round. Arizona, that's right. And I was so happy. I was still obviously UB. Can we talk about Bruce Pearl losing to Tennessee in the Bruce Pearl Bowl? Because that was kind of funny yesterday. I'm not gonna lie. Auburn taking the taking yeah. loss this year to Tennessee. I kind of want. Can you? Can we take a second before we get into Auburn at all? Because I do want to talk about Jabari Smith, and I think that this Auburn team, you know, we had a tweet go viral a couple weeks ago. Not viral, but we had that good pickup after Auburn got beat by Arkansas a couple weeks ago. Dude, you don't don't beat Arkansas in Arkansas. Yo, but it was Auburn fans that were coming after me because I put it as an upset because it was they were one point favorites that's still an upset mm-hmm. and they were the number one team in the nation like that yeah. qualifies that's, as upset a, to me. that's an upset yes absolutely. and auburn fans were coming at us cuz they're like this is a fraud team worst number one team <laughs> in the country like they are terrible <laughs> like so many people were saying this so i, I, I want to talk that. i i like are they just a, this fraud top 5 team or is it just a high variance team like every Bruce Pearl team ever, like all his good Tennessee teams were like, we are great offensive teams. We are dangerous. But if we go cold or it stops working offensively, what we do, we have no answer. That's been Bruce Pearl for his, since I was a little kid. And it just feels like it's that with Auburn again, except they have Jabari Smith who can kind of cover up a lot of those problems in some of these games. Yeah. Well, Let's start with Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith, he probably will go number one in the draft this year. He's raised his stock immensely since the start of the season. He's six foot ten, freshman forward, who who basically defends like Ben Simmons. He is one of the best, if not the best, on ball defender in college basketball. But guess what? This dude's hit sixty plus threes already this year. He can shoot. He can create his own mm-hmm. shot. Jabari Smith. I mean, he's a six foot ten guard forward hybrid freshman who's forty two percent shooting from three. He's he's he has the volume to shoot from three two. He can create a shot. He can drive. He can do everything, and he's better defensively than he is offensively. He is his ceiling is he's a terrifying he's for a how how good he can be at his ceiling. Now he's still a freshman. He's still young and experienced. But regardless. I think this guy has to go number one just because of the potential. I mean, we're, we're basically talking about if Ben Simmons shot, could shoot a three ball consistently is what so, Jabari Smith Jr. is. What, Chad what Holmgren needs to get on his diet plan, bro. Like, he really does. Yo, Jabari is a freak compared to Chad. 
what this guy looks like the Jabari. rock and he's a freshman what worries me about Jabari, he's, yeah. you gave the ben simmons comparison and i do love that i do agree with that because in the open floor especially jabari is just absolutely terrifying what worries me about jabari is the jeremy grant potential of jabari smith too i do feel like there's a place where yeah. his athleticism is not and I don't know. I don't know. Like you can't. You don't know how athleticism translates into the league once you see right. it. He looks like a guy that is transcendent and has the athleticism to make incredible plays. But if he doesn't, and with how big he is, he turns into that kind of guy where he's like, like I mean, that's still a high ceiling, right? Like yeah. that's still no, Jeremy, player. Jeremy Grant's getting paid twenty something million a year. But I think he does have the potential you're talking about, which is Ben Simmons level defensively and offensively, just can take that next step. Well, I, I'll tell you what. It, would you take Jeremy Grant's offense with a Ben Simmons defense in a player? Because yes, I absolutely you're right, would. I would. I absolutely would. So even if that's his so offensive I ceiling, I fine. He doesn't need to be right. your go-to score in the NBA. Then he can average right. just around 15, 18 a game. You know, get his five, six. He probably off. still would be your go-to guy because he's getting three steals a game and yeah, he's right. on you in the <laughs> fast break. Because his defense is just <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. And the best part about talking about his defense, we're not talking sure. about. The guy who leads the team, I think, leads the country in blocks at 4.7 blocks a game. Mr. Walker Kessler, the sophomore, seven foot one sophomore. You just you just don't score on him. I think he's had three. I think he's had three triple doubles this year, where he's had 10 plus points, 10 plus rebounds, 10 plus blocks. Uh, he just you just don't score on the paint on Walker. He is unbelievable, and he's got the size. But a lot of other players in college basketball this year have the size. He's got the wingspan, but he just has the smarts. He just has so much awareness when it's like, I know when this guy's putting up his shot, I know how to block it every time. And that is huge because he's your old school defensive juggernaut big. You look at him offensively, you know what he's going to do. He's just going to try to get the easy dunks, the lay-ins. He's not <laughs> scoring like shooting. He's not scoring mid-range even, but defensively, Fantastic. I'm mean, Kessler. His biggest weakness, he can't really shoot a free throw. He can't really shoot mid range, but it doesn't really matter because he's so good defensively. He can make up for that. And that's the difference between this Bruce Pearl team compared to previous Bruce Pearl teams. Their strength is the defense. They're not, they're really not the best offensive team in the world. They're actually not great offensively. And that's my biggest concern with Auburn outside of Jabari Smith. You got Katie Johnson. But I don't know who's really going to have to score and take over this game because they're really not going to stretch the floor on you. They're inconsistent shooting offense. They're 272nd in three-point shooting percentage this year, 31.7%. So how are they they're, that? They're I don't know how these stats work, but how are they that? But then they're 17th in offensive efficiency. So they're just not. So, I mean, the, the big thing with offensive efficiency, if you're looking at like the Ken Palm ratings for that, it yeah. kind of takes into effect, obviously, the teams you're playing your opponents, the points per possession, all that. Okay. And they, they will score a lot of points per possession. But when you get to the tournament, I think the big thing for me, especially for Auburn, is you're going to have to know how to create your own shots. You're going to have to know how to score. And that's why I say going into the tournament, the two biggest things for me are rebounding and elite guard play. That's what I look for every single time it's, when it, I pick It really teams. is a tried and true – in college basketball, shooting is so up and down, right? It's just such a high variance in terms yeah. of a team that can shoot 60% one night, 30% the next. It's college basketball. It's inconsistent, and that's why we love this sport. That's why you see the top six teams all lose on the same day. 
So I try to look for things that you can be more consistent with. Rebound is, rebounding is a big one. And then I love elite guard play because those are guys that you want to have guards where you can rely on if uh, our shooting's not going well tonight or we're just getting dominated down low. Guys who can take over, guys who can force the other team into bad looks, long possessions. Auburn's great at that on the defensive end. Offensive end, a little inconsistent. They're not going to knock down threes. If they get down 10 points early in a tournament game, it's going to be a lot harder for them to come back because you have, you know, one of their best players, Walker Kessler, who I'm not going to say is bad offensively, but he's not really someone you want to rely on. He's not really someone you look forward to. He gets fouled. It's not a guarantee two free throws there. Mm-hmm. And they don't really have that many shooters. Obviously, they have the best, probably the best player in the country in terms of potential, Jabari. But is he the best player right now? Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Is, can he take over in a game against a Purdue or a Kansas? And that's or a, a big Baylor ask. That's else? A, yeah, it's that's a big, a big ask. ask for a freshman that's what to we're try gonna, to take over. Honestly, Steve, that's what we're going to come down to in this tournament, right? Like, that's the way these teams are shaping up. Yeah. It's going to be all these teams have one kid that can take over a game at any right. time, every roster. No, one of those I'm kids glad. is going to get hot for six games. Go ahead, buddy. No, I'm glad you you brought up the inconsistent offense, and I didn't I didn't know the numbers here, but um, this Auburn Tennessee game is the game I uh, paid the most attention to yesterday. I think I was I was watching it when I was out with my friends yesterday, and that collapse in the second half. I think to start the second half they had an 11 point lead. That's Bruce I want to say. And then that is Bruce Pearl. As soon as they lost it, it looks like the game was over. I mean, there was 10 minutes left, and. They they just stopped playing once they lost their lead. I mean, obviously they didn't, but they the the offensive struggles were just so apparent. And like you said, you know, I feel like they tried to lean on Jabari Smith, but it it ultimately didn't really work out. And then they just could never, you know, they could never get back into the game. It seemed like. And I think that's the biggest thing, Donny. Right? Is once Tennessee started to go on that run in the second half, you kind of saw, oh boy, each offensive possession was just looking harder and harder and harder mm-hmm. for Auburn. Tennessee was making them work, and Auburn just doesn't have those guys that can really just get out and threaten you from three. Yeah, they'll have some guys who will hit them occasionally, but Tennessee was just saying we're not allowing anything inside the arc, and it was just tough mm-hmm. for Auburn to get open looks because they didn't want to settle for the three-pointers because they're not a great three-point shooting team. And another thing, too, I talk about this all the time with college basketball, home court advantage is as real as ever when it yeah. comes to college basketball. And once you get momentum, just a little bit of momentum like Tennessee did, that's all it takes, man. That's all it takes for a run. Because next thing you know, you're forcing Auburn into bad offensive possessions. They had a couple turnovers there where Tennessee had easy, fast breaks. And Auburn, I love Jabari Smith, but I don't know if they have the guards that can get them back into a game or completely flip the momentum by hitting a couple big open shots. Didn't look like it last night. No, and that's and Tennessee's a good team too. I think Tennessee is one of my – I've loved this Tennessee team all year. Um, I'm just partial. See, it's all emotional too. I've, I do. I, they're not. A, they're not my. I wouldn't say like my sleeper. I've watched enough of it, and that conference tournament time decides a lot of stuff for me. Yeah. I just love seeing kids in pressure moments like that. And this Tennessee team has been pretty tough all year, even in the games that they've lost. So, um, and they've and they they've got some damn good wins on their resume too. So definitely a team I think look for in those, you know, they'll probably be a four to five seed somewhere around there. I think they'll end up maybe a three if they do well in this conference tournament. Can we talk about Purdue? Purdue. Let's talk about Purdue. 
Um, honestly, yes, Mr. Purdue fan. No, no, no. (laughs) Yesterday though, yesterday I'm really not, I'm really not putting this against Purdue yesterday because I think that this is just an Izzo Michigan, like the most classic Izzo Michigan state win. (laughs) This Michigan state team isn't, isn't special this year. I think that they're going to be solid in the tournament, solid in the big 10 tournament, but a big home game against the team who's been the favorite all year in the big 10. Izzo got those guys to go out, play hard. They made clutch, timely plays, and it was just a good win for Michigan State. I don't think this is much of an indictment on Purdue. That being said, <laughs> this is still a team. If if things were going to be different with Purdue, isn't this a game that you would have liked to see them be able to pull out at Michigan State, a team that they are much better than? That like Objectively, yes. you just put them on paper. Purdue should blow out Michigan State at home, away, wherever, in Antarctica, I don't care. Like, they should beat Michigan State, and that's why what concerns me about them again. There's two huge concerns for Purdue that I have. Uh, Purdue right now, they're first in offensive efficiency. They're 106th in defensive. That is a huge difference. That's that's a difference you don't want to see. I think in the past 10 years, I think nine of the 10 years, they were the championship team was top, I believe, 30 in offensive and defense. Purdue's defense, very bad. And the problem with that is when you have such a bad defense, whoever you're playing, they're just going to do whatever they want. And Purdue is phenomenal offensively. But Jaden Ivey, one of my favorite players in college basketball this year, I think he has a high of potential as a you know multi all-star superstar takeover 25 a game in the NBA. But he can be so, inconsistent. Yeah. He can be inconsistent. He will – he can have ice in his veins and make some of the deadliest, dumbest shots in the world. But he also can just miss his last six trips down the floor, yeah. turn the ball over a couple times. He he has his ceiling at his best. He's the best player in college basketball. But he also can put your team in a lot of trouble. And that will happen with Purdue sometimes because they're not going to make up for it on the defensive end. Jaden Ivey. He can shoot the three. He can make his own shot. He can create his own shot. They have two nice bigs with Trevion Williams and Zach Eady. Zach Eady's seven foot four, by the way, in case you didn't know. Yeah, no, you'll know if you watch one Purdue game. (laughs) What is up with these teams, man? Like a a (laughs) seven foot four guy. They're growing in my trees. A seven foot four guy three years ago was like the biggest rarity, and now all of these teams have one of their own. Like seven Edie's four, dude. Edie's a freak. But He's a freak. This is the biggest concern for Purdue. Trevion Williams, six foot ten, great big. You know, he he plays a lot bigger than his size too, even though he's six foot ten. And Zach Eady, seven foot four, he's a monster. Those two combine to average less than two blocks a game. You, how is that possible with a seven foot yeah, four? Dude? How how is that possible? He's just not athletic enough. People can get by Teams him. Don't even. It's I not just, even, they're not, it's so confusing because teams aren't even scared to go at them. Teams no. just shoot over them. Like, team, no one's afraid of Purdue defensively. And, and these are the types of games. Right. The one game I was very sure about earlier in the year with you guys, we talked about Indiana Purdue. And I was so sure that Purdue was not going to be able to live up to that moment. Indiana fans hyped up in that, mm-hmm. in that environment, everything. I was just like, I don't, I just don't see it. This is another one of those scenarios. They go into a tough Big Ten environment, road team, team they're better than, that handles them like that. What does that mean for them in March when they're going to be – if they're in the Sweet 16 here in Chicago against fucking, you know, Tennessee or something like that? I do not trust Purdue 
in in that scenario just from what I based on what I've seen just this year, not even past yeah. Purdue teams. No, no, just this year. That's fair. I I think a lot of people have that same concern. My biggest, I guess, rebuttal to that would be when Purdue is on, right? When Purdue's offense it's, is on, it's, you it's have, a show. It's you a have show. no, yeah. you have no answers. You have no answers because there's no team in college basketball that has every part that Purdue has. Zach Eady. Not great defensively, but he's seven foot four. They just give it to him in the paint. Who? How many teams have a guy who can even match up with that? Just think about this. Chet Holmgren is three inches shorter than Zach Eady. Zach yeah. Eady towers over everyone. There are a lot of teams in college basketball this year where their bigs are six eight, six nine. Right then and there, that's six seven inch difference. And Zach Eady knows how to score inside the paint. Trevion Williams, another one, a little smaller than Edie, but I'd say he's more gifted in terms of his post moves and everything. And one of the best, probably, post inside scorers in college basketball. Jaden Ivey, at his peak, is the best pure scorer in college basketball this year. He can just create his own shot. He's a walking bucket when he's on. And then you got Sasha Stefanovic, who's six foot five, liability on defense, oh, but see, on so offense, if he. He's 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 a liability on defense, but on offense, if he's open, he can go on a run. Well, he'll hit seven, eight open shots in a row, and no team really has guys who can match up with all of that. You, you think of that, maybe you get one or two per college basketball team where you get a big guy down low. Purdue has two that can score down low at will. They have an outside threat in Stefanovic, and they have a guy who can play iso ball. They can beat you any which way offensively, and that's why I'm not as concerned as I would be with a team whose defense is as bad as Purdue is. I'm very curious to watch the Big Ten tournament because I I want to yeah, have so hope that I think they can figure it out a little bit, maybe change their style a little bit, make it more defensive-centered hope. But I also think Purdue, just play to your strengths. Just make teams say, hey, if you want to beat us, score 90, because that's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to push, and we're just going to use our weapons on offense. Stevie, you you did that perfectly because I was going to ask you who is your who who are if we are not looking at Purdue, the Big Ten is so deep this year yeah, as it is always every year. Who is the team? Because I'm I think my gut is leaning towards Wisconsin getting hot and being able to get through the tournament. Yeah. I'm very scared about them in a similar way that you're explaining about Auburn with relying one much on one scorer and they Wisconsin might be one of the most extreme cases of that among teams that can do yeah, it. Um, but what, what, what's a bit, Dunny, what were you going to comment on there? And then like, just the big 10 as a whole, like any ideas or any touch points on there? I was just going to say this, this note that Stevie has in here. I'm just, uh, who's this Sasha? I'm, I'm going to butcher his last name. Stefanovic. 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 Yeah, 73 three-pointers in 29 games. Dude, dude yeah. he can shoot. He, he can shoot. And he it doesn't matter if it's wide open or it's contested. He can make it. And that's why I love like Purdue offense. I think they can that's really insane, counter yeah. their bad defense because they can attack you in so many ways. But going back and, to your thing, Jake, I, I think a Big Ten team that's just slept on is Illinois. I know they lost Io, and I know we love Io. Can Kofi take over the as all these big men that we're talking about and just assert his dominance again? Kofi's averaging twenty-one and ten, man. I know, man. Kofi will get his. They honestly, Illinois does feel like the team that was like they had the this last year was the Cinderella year, you know, like it was the the Renaissance year. Every Illinois basketball back to where they should be, and this year they've kind of had their ups and downs, taking their lumps, but 
they're like they're still not a team that you want to see at all in March yeah. or in the Big Ten tournament. None of these well, teams want to play Illinois. None of well, them want to run into them. That's the thing with Illinois. They don't really have a true weakness. They got good guards no, not too. No. They got Frazier. They got Plummer. They, they're a very good balanced team. Top 30 in both offense and defense. That's something you want to see going into the tournament. For teams who can make teams, a deep yep. run. They can shoot the three. They can play defense. They can score down low. Illinois, just they just kind of got off to a sluggish start. Everyone kind of forgot about them. I would not sleep on Illinois because I'll tell you what, they're a nightmare matchup for Purdue and a team like Ohio State where they just don't play great defense. And if Illinois can get hot, make that run in the Big Ten, then they can just carry that momentum. And we talked about this last year, a little bit at the beginning of this year. Everyone was saying Kofi Cockburn's probably the best big man in college basketball. And then we saw about a dozen other big men pop up this year <laughs> out of nowhere. Every team's got a dominant big. But I'll tell you what. Kofi remembers that Kofi is an emotional player and Kofi is going to put up his numbers. He's going to get his regardless of who he's up against. I mean, he, you watch Kofi. It does not matter who he's up against. He is just stronger than them. I don't care true. if it's a five inch difference. He is stronger. He's going to bully you. He's going to push you out of the way. So Illinois kind of a sleeper team there, even though they're 15th in the country, not a big sleeper, but. They haven't really been in the top 10 conversation. And we know the talent that they they have. Yeah. Like you said, we know the talent they have. Um, Selfishly, I would love that being here in Chicago. would love to see an Illinois run. (laughs) I know it was crazy here last year for the Illinois run. All right. I'm going to set hook you up here. We've got Kansas and Baylor yesterday, which is always a great matchup. I don't think this is a panic meter thing for Kansas at all, but I want to hear, and Dunny, you take it, take the lead here too, but I want to hear your thoughts on just, the big these two teams in the Big Twelve and who you think's gonna come out and boys I'll be back in two seconds. Heard. All right. So the big we the biggest the thing here is uh, yeah, yeah. Baylor Kansas this game I had I had Baylor as one of my picks uh, for yesterday. Kansas killed Baylor at home. Kansas crushed Baylor their first meeting. Baylor is a solid defensive team. I like Baylor a lot. I don't think Baylor Baylor has the type of star guards that they had for their run in their championship last year, but it was a nice bounce back spot for Baylor. They were down, I think, 16-2 early in this game. Kansas was crushing them on the boards, which Kansas likes to do against teams they play this year. And Baylor kind of just found their groove, made Kansas offense just really inconsistent and was able to pull away. But I'm not too concerned about Kansas. I, I think the biggest thing for Kansas, Dunny, is that Kansas is just a really balanced team this year. They don't have a true weakness. They're going to ride Abagi, Ochi Abagi, into, until his legs fall off for the tournament because he is their go-to offensive player, and he can be – he has potential to be a guy who could probably score 15, 20 a night in the NBA. I really do think he can because he can score from anywhere – the biggest concern with Abaji, though, is he's not the best ISO player. And we mm-hmm. know in the NBA sometimes, Donnie, when your your star player gets in a groove, we're just giving them ball at half court and the offense is running through him. I don't know if yeah. Abaji can get there. But he's been great so far for Kansas. I think I think he's averaging, what, 20 points a game, five yeah, boards. 20 and a half. Kansas, though, they don't have that huge, huge big. 
that these other teams have, these other elite teams have. They're but, the only team. <laughs> but you know what? It, but I will say you can put an asterisk right next to that because when? they play big. David McCormick, I know he's six foot ten, will play as big as anyone. And it doesn't matter who Kansas plays against, they will dominate the offensive glass. They they will get extra possessions on rebounding. And that kind of helps their biggest weakness is they don't force a lot of turnovers and they'll turn over the ball a decent amount. And that's a big concern for me in the tournament. I don't want not having extra possessions, right? You don't want those mm. teams that are letting whoever they're playing school, shoot 10, 15 more shots a game than them. And Kansas doesn't really force a lot of turnovers. They turn the ball over a decent amount, like 185th in toner turnovers a game by like 13 a game. But they make up for that with their offensive rebounding. However, my biggest concern for Kansas is that just is that size going to come into play when they face these seven footers, these monsters down low? Like you saw against Kentucky, Kentucky dominated them because Kentucky was just bigger than them. Yeah. And Kansas couldn't really play to their strength of the offensive rebounding, the extra possessions. It, they made it very tough for Abaji to get his to get his shots. It was. I don't know. I Kansas. I I say this every year. I, do, I don't think they're built to win the tournament this year. They're a balanced team. They're a solid team. They're gonna probably is, get a couple. They of are. Here they there. are. This is like the typical, like the epitomization of a Kansas team, right? Like yeah. they've the only really dominant big they've ever had that I can remember is Joel Embiid. The rest yeah. of it, I feel like they've always been like kind of undersized, balanced switchable on defense have really good guards that can create a lot like this is bill self's this is his image and everything i'm with you though stevie i'm worried about them just the ceiling that they can reach against these other teams that we've been talking about because yeah. of that well they oh. have a guy who averages 20 a game abaji but he's not really an iso player exactly and so if if something goes wrong for kansas or they get down early then it could be a huge concern and I, I don't just, know if it's just I, the, the Kansas threads, but Abaji, uh, he kind of reminds me of Wiggins, a little smaller. And yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't know if it's, it is just, you know, watching him in Kansas, but I feel like this team kind of honestly reminds me of the Kansas team when Wiggins was there too. And, and yeah, and, and just like Wiggins, he, he can be very good from the perimeter. I know you were talking about Sasha, who has 73 threes. I believe <laughs> I Abachi that. has 81. He's got 81 yeah. threes on the year. Like, and he won up to or two of them, I guess. But. He was on a stretch. Part of that was the, like a couple weeks stretch he went on where he just wouldn't miss. He just couldn't miss from three. Came back down to earth a little bit lately. But yeah, I'll tell you what, I, I, if, you, if you see him in the Big 12 tournament, maybe start to get hot again, start to hit a decent amount of threes per game, then watch out for Kansas. Because if Abaji takes that next step to be a guy who can, they can rely on just 30 a game, 30 a game, Kansas is going to dominate the glass against most teams they play. And the, the turnovers do concern me a little bit. They don't really have a true, true point guard. But I don't know. Abaji, maybe. They got to ride him. If Kansas wants to make a run, you got to ride him until his legs fall off. That's, That's true. basically how Kansas goes. Love it. All right, Stevie. Your, your Kentucky lost yesterday. As after you yeah, tweeted, I got a few teams, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but you did tweet yesterday about how much you loved Kentucky, and I feel like it still remains even after this game. Yes. As you said earlier on this podcast, even and we've talked about before, it is hard to go into Arkansas and beat Arkansas. They're a great team. Every Musselman's got that team, this team playing hard again this year. But I really want to talk about Kentucky because I think this is 
I honestly think I'm picking Kentucky when I put down my bracket. If you had to ask me right now, um, I just think that they're the deepest team, the, the most, I think that the balance thing is it's pretty good with them. Everybody is, and it, but the highest ceiling of the balance, each of their guys, it's, it's just Cal Perry really did a great job with this roster recruiting a great group together. Um, but what do you think about Kentucky? And then just the sec as a whole, go back touching on Auburn. We were talking about earlier in Tennessee. Like, where do you think that SEC tournament's going to go? Because I think that's going to be – honestly, that's the one I'm looking forward to the most of these conference yeah. tournaments. I think the SEC. SEC, you can make the argument SEC's been the best conference in college Which is crazy, right? How wild is that? The SEC it's crazy that we're saying that. Basketball. But yeah, you, have, you have teams like Kentucky, Auburn, that are going to be fighting for one seats. Arkansas, who has been probably the best team in college – basketball in the past two or three weeks you have lsu who at their peak can beat anyone alabama who probably has the five best wins of any yeah, team the, in college basketball but they the also have double digit losses and they lost to iona and georgia they're mad at it but they're at their peak they can beat anybody i think they beat gonzaga they beat houston they beat uh who was it i'll, I'll remember it. whatever it does not matter the, the big thing with sec is they have a ton of good teams. It's going to just be beating up on everyone in the in For the sure. conference tournament. And I think Kentucky's the best of those teams because of a couple of things. First thing, Kentucky travels well. They, they they don't really have a huge difference in how they perform at home on the road. Yeah, they've lost a few games on the road, but they play well. They're competitive games. They're not getting run out of the gym. Their win in Kansas was one of the most impressive wins all year long, I think. And Kentucky – they're 21st in def defensive efficiency, third in offensive efficiency. But I'll tell you what, man, I don't care. I think Kentucky's one of the best defensive teams in the country. You, you just you aren't you aren't going in the paint on them. They got Oscar Tshiebwe, who is averaging 17 points and 15 rebounds a game. Yo. Oh my god, that's why, had, like he gets his double doubles in the first half. <laughs> he like the first half is over and he's got 14 and 12. And I'm like, that's, that's his half stats. <laughs> I mean, he's, and not only that, but he's so good defensively Two steals a block and a half per game. He's, he's a nightmare for any big man that faces him. I don't care which big men of any of these teams we name. They go up against Tashibwe. I'm taking Tashibwe every single time. I don't care. He's a walking double-double would be an insult to call this man. And he's so good at forcing the other big men into mistakes, getting them into foul trouble. You got Ty Ty Washington, the freshman guard, who's probably their best NBA prospect I love, right now. I love Ty Ty, bro. Who just doesn't Ty -Ty make is mistakes. The I want to watch this team. Ty Ty, <laughs> he may be Talk a freshman. Talk about cool names. It's a great exactly. Name. <laughs> Ty Ty may be a freshman, but he plays like he has ten years of experience under his belt. Yeah. He doesn't make mistakes. He looks He's like a Chris great Paul. playmaker. He literally looks like Chris yeah. Paul on the court. It's nuts. Like it's he, like a spinning image to me, at least. He just he just he just makes the right decision every yeah. trip <laughs> down the court. And then the other guard they have, the little dude, Shavir Wheeler, is so quick. He's so <laughs> tough for anyone to get through. And he is probably one of the best playmakers in college basketball. <laughs> then you got Kellen Grady. We talked about the other three-point shooters, Dunny. Kellen Grady, he's six foot five guard. He's made 83 threes this year. Jeez, 83. So he, he can he yeah, <laughs> he can create his own shots. I love Kentucky. They're fifth in the country in rebounding at 40.8. And you know what? That is going up against SEC teams. That's going up against one of the toughest schedules in the country. And they're still fifth in rebounding. And 
with that schedule, the schedule they played, the out-of-conference games, the SEC that's just been a juggernaut, they're 39th in opponent field goal percentage. You don't get easy looks against this Kentucky yeah, team. That's... And they're third in offensive efficiency with a balanced attack that can really attack you from anywhere. They can stretch the floor. Sheepway's not going to score threes, but basically anyone else on the court can. And I'll tell you what, man, I think they have the best defensive team in terms of balanced defense going into the tournament. It's just a nightmare matchup for a ton of teams. I really like this Kentucky team. And my big note for you guys here is an experienced Kentucky team is terrifying. Calipari usually has the babies he brings into the tournament. Anytime he has guys that he can bring back, that team Mm -hmm. is like, it's, it's always ready. It's a, it's a, I think Kentucky's a lock for the elite eight, no matter what. Like, honestly, I think they're an elite eight lock and that's where they'll start having troubles. I think I think I'd agree with you there because even their their freshmen aren't playing like freshmen. <laughs> their their freshmen are playing like seniors. He's got what I think three juniors and a senior that get consistent minutes. Like yeah. this Kentucky team is junior, 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 senior, and then you got Ty Ty who is playing like he's been there for four years, which is terrifying. They're well coached team, phenomenal defensively, and. They're third in offense. Like they're the third best offensive team. But I would hype up their defense before their offense. It, it's crazy how good this Kentucky team has looked. Is it fair and, to say you're you're most excited about this Kentucky team than any of the other teams we've talked about? Um. Yeah, I would say right now I think they're the most balanced of any of the teams we've yeah. talked about on offense and defense. So who is the team that we haven't talked about then? that you would pick as your favorite coming out right like, now. Oh, I, if, we, if you, if, if you put a gun to my head and you said, who you think's winning the tournament, I would, I would never Kentucky do that. Right but yeah, I would, I would go Kentucky right now. Well, thank you. But thank besides you. these six teams, <laughs> what about outside of the top six that because I'm going to I'm I'm gonna gonna... get to this with, when we go with the ACC, let's, we can go over the ACC here and I have a couple notes on the big 12. I want to go through it before we finished up. I'm picking I'm, right now. If I filled out my bracket, if it turned out to be it, I would be picking a Duke Kentucky final. And I know that that's ridiculous, ooh. but I really think those are the two best teams, top to bottom. That'd be good for right college now. basketball. Duke, Duke has really Duke was. has actually been really impressing me so far this year. Duke has been. They have everything. Very well. Everything you I, just said about the balance about Kentucky, it's the, it feels like the same thing with Duke. But Paulo is one of those guys that can really take over. Yeah, really, Paolo, really take over. Paulo Banchero and, is, and he's, 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 he's fun. He's, a, he's a fun player to watch, man. He Talk is about being excited guys for when they get to the next level. He's, I he's think like his game super powered, perfectly he's super powered NBA. Kyle Kuzma. He is. And Kyle Kuzma put up 34 last night. So like super powered version of that. Is I think Kuzma impressive. would like that comparison as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, no, I, I think Duke is a great a great pick. Duke was actually one of the teams I have is like on my radars. They're not they weren't in the top six here, but they're a team that could make a lot of noise. And I'm gonna go back to the well. I, I've been going back to this well. I'm going back to Villanova. They don't have the size, which is the biggest concern so on the big because East a ton of teams here, yeah. have a, a ton of size. Villanova doesn't have the size, but this team is built exactly how Baylor was built last year. Mm. They have three guards that can all play. Colin Gillespie, bro. Yo, how does Villanova always have the one guard who's been there for five years? It feels like like he's been here for 15 years, man. 
Gillespie. They've well, all, they got Arthur the Echino's younger brother who comes off the bench when they need him, and he can shoot. They they always seem to find these guys. You got Gillespie, oh, you got God. Justin Moore, and then their other guard, I believe, is uh, Daniels. Caleb Daniels. I forgot they, about Divincenzo's just... run at Nova. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then they're two bigs, Jermaine Samuels and uh, Dixon. I mean, they're they're not the biggest guys, six, seven, six, eight, I believe, but they play big. And Baylor, if we remember, was not the biggest team in March last year. Now it may be a little different this year because we talked about all these elite teams have these big men, but Dixon and Samuels they play they play big, they can play big, they can stretch the floor, and that's my biggest thing with Villanova. These five guys can all stretch the floor they can all shoot they can all get their own buckets and they they'll they'll make your run with them and villanova to me is a team that they started a little slow they had a couple you know bumps in the road they're finally starting to get more consistent now they're right up there seventh in offense 33rd in defense they're right up there with kind of the benchmark you want for a championship caliber team a little smaller than every other team but I'll tell you what, there's no better trio of guards than what Villanova has right now. That's the biggest thing to me. There's no better trio of guards. Gillespie, Moore, and Daniels. You know, you're just not gonna find a team that has three guards. No, so that's like that. true. And that's what you need, right? That's what we've been that's the theme of this I was podcast. Say, we've we've come about. full circle. It really has. Exactly. Guard play in the tournament. Guard play in the right. tournament. Well, that's the the, it's guard play, rebounding, and then just don't turn it over. Those are the three for me. Those are usually what I look to. You can pick whatever you want, and this year could be a little different because we talked about the size everyone has, but guards, guard play. Guards guard play and rebounding, rebounding, like you said. That's really what it always is down to. The last team we didn't touch on that lost in the top 10 yesterday was Texas Tech. And I think yeah. we'll take let's take one big more look at the Big 12. I think we've touched on every other conference as a whole. Texas Tech – losing yesterday stevie you don't like texas tech here you wrote in our notes i'm not a big texas tech guy either Um, yeah i mean go ahead the the biggest thing for texas tech is just i don't think they have a guy who can take over the game the best players bryson williams who's fine he averages 14 and four he can shoot well 55 percent from the floor 44 percent from three but texas tech wants to play a texas tech style of game They're second in defense. They want to slow you down. They play at a slow pace. They have a very balanced attack. I think they have all six guys that they play average around nine points or higher per game. They can all shoot 20-plus threes on the year. They play basically positionless basketball. Everyone's between 6'5 and 6'8. It's all just kind of these guard-forward hybrids. And they have our boy from Oral Roberts last year, not Atmos, yes. but his buddy who kind of came up clutch against Ohio State, Kevin Obinar, who's actually had a pretty solid role for Texas Tech this year. He's played well, but my biggest thing is I just don't think they have that guy who can take over the game if they need, and if Texas Tech just starts off cold shooting, going to be hard for them to come back the game with how slow they play and everything else. Donnie, what was your question that you had for Stevie about Texas and Chris Beard and their whole situation? Yeah, I just I just kind of wanted to get his thoughts on it. I thought it was, you know, I, it's, it's I super weird. It's super yeah, crazy. That's that's what I and I feel like it really hasn't got as much coverage as it should. Maybe just because you know Texas isn't as good as some of these teams that we've been talking about today. But you know, still a huge school. Chris Beard, a pretty well known coach, in my opinion. Uh, I just yeah, Stevie. I don't know. I don't know how much you're tuned into Texas basketball this year, or what, or if you have any scoop. I mean, I had just. I- crazy situation 
I had much higher hopes for Texas than what they've shown so far this Me year. I, I would say Texas has been one of the bigger disappointing teams. Uh, no one has really kind of improved on last year. I know they lost a few pieces, but the guys who were there, Ramey and Jones, the big guard, they just really haven't jumped up Texas. We wanted to see them get that Chris Beard kind of DNA style of defense. And it's it's been okay. It's, you know, 17th in defensive efficiency. They're top 30 in both offense and defense. So maybe mm-hmm. they make a little bit of a run in the Big 12. But the thing is, too, I just, when I watch Texas, I'm just not that impressed. They don't look like a team that can score with these elite teams. And Texas, to me, is... I don't know. I, I I hate saying they're an early exit, but I just don't see enough consistency out of them. It's almost like Beard, you know, wanted them to adopt that Texas Tech style, but they just they they just look out of sorts. Not built for it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It, maybe give it a couple of years, get that more of the culture in there. But I use the joke with uh, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan for football. Yeah, it doesn't have his guys in there. Beard doesn't have his guys in there. <laughs> yeah. That's really sure. what it comes down to. Yeah. These guards aren't the best defensive guards in the world. It works. They have a good defense because of the system, but we'll see. I'm not I, I was a little disappointed by Texas. There's a few teams this year that have been that's literally not major just... disappointments, but just kind of like underwhelming. That's where I'd have Texas. They're just underwhelming yeah. to me. They get a couple string together, a couple wings in the Big 12, then everything can change. But like my... for right now. My guy Trey Mitchell like stepped away from the program for a bit, yeah. and then his dad was like roasting Chris Beard on Twitter. Like strange, <laughs> strange times in Texas right now. That I, is I know literally Chris the epitome Beard, of Texas sports, though. Like Texas Beard's athletics, a tough that's coach what it is. Too. He's a tough yeah. coach for players. So when it gets hard, it gets a lot harder on the players. He is a tough coach, but. I don't know. I think we'll Texas, I would throw UCLA kind of in the Texas group where their numbers what? have looked good. They've played well, but they've just been a little underwhelming when you watch them. They and and same thing, Texas don't and you UCLA. trust them? Don't you trust UCLA immensely more than you do Texas when yeah. it comes to a tournament yeah. game? Absolutely. Yeah. That's where they, the level is. For a number of reasons. They have the experience. Okay. Yeah. They have the guard play. They have the pure scoring. Juzang. But I'm just, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying that it feels similar to where we had expectations of these could be top five teams. And they've just kind of been hovering in the teens for rankings. They're not bad teams by any means. It's just a little underwhelming. For sure. Mm -hmm. All right. So I think we did a good pretty wrap up of all the contenders major wise. So now we get to talk. I think me and you, how we need to break this down, Stevie, is we go into Mac play and the most (laughs) important thing of this podcast, Dunny. Always. I don't know if you have any thoughts to offer on Mac on Mac basketball, but me and Stevie can each give our the very convincing arguments about both the Buffalo Bulls and the Kent State Golden Flashes. Golden and Flashes. Dude. You can just flip a coin and decide what you think is going to happen. Um, Toledo also at the top of the also at the top right now, fifteen and three. They're pretty solid. Ohio Bobcats. Ohio. I'm scared. I'm always terrified of OU. Terrified. Um, <laughs> Stevie, I don't know. I think for both of these teams, because I follow you, I've always followed UB. Obviously, I'm from, yeah. you know, where it's like, it's the whole thing, whatever. I think both of these teams, neither even UB on a nine game win streak, Kent on a 10 game win streak now, neither of these teams, do you still feel confident? Because I really don't feel confident going into the MAC tournament because the, both of them feel like they could, it's just teetering for one game that it could just all go wrong. Yeah. 
and that's but, all it takes. That's that's the thing with me with Buffalo is I almost not wrote them off, but I was so frustrated by their offensive inconsistency early on, where I was like, I I can't trust this team anymore. They missed way too many wide open looks. Yes, Buffalo will be doing what Buffalo's done the past couple of years. They dominate the boards. They're playing pretty good defense. They just dominate the glass, but they just couldn't hit water with open shots. And now they're stringing together some wins. Williams is playing better. Sagu's playing a lot better. He's playing a lot better these past couple of weeks. But I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, as soon as I get up my hopes up for Buffalo, they're going to let me down. So I'm, I'm just doing what, I, what I've been doing for this stretch is I'm just going neutral. I'm like, you know what? I have no expectations. If if they change, so be it. But right, right so now, what do I have to look out? What do I have to look out for in this game? Like, if UB is going to take it to Kent State on Friday, and and ultimately what they need to do to win the MAC tournament, what does it look like? Best case scenario for the Bulls for UB to win. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for UB, you got to make your open shots. They're very inconsistent from three at times, which is a big thing. UB, play to your strengths, dominate the boards, right? They're, they're, I think they're first or top five in college basketball and rebounds per game. Just play to your strength, get extra possessions, and then don't give those possessions away with turnovers. They've turned the ball over 13 times a game this year. That's not great. You don't want that. And they're just not a great free throw shooting team. UB hasn't been a great free throw shooting team for years, but seventy percent as a team yeah. from free throw is concerning, especially when you get into what you know, playoff Jim, basketball. Get them, in, is. get them on the line. What does what is Jim not getting them on the line after practice? Like, what's the deal? Don't yeah, no, I, I know, and and that's the most frustrating thing because even back in the past couple of years where UB had good shooters, they still couldn't make free throws, yes. and it was you can't yes. have that in postseason basketball because it's going to be a lot earlier where teams start to follow or it's going to be a more physical game. Yeah. If Buffalo so, can dominate the boards and just shoot the ball how they have been lately, they're going to be really tough for any of the max schools because they are so good at just yeah. getting offensive boards, getting an extra look on offensive end, but they got to make their open shots. So what I will say is – I think your UB team is probably the most talent, one of the most talented. OU might be the most talented team. Yeah. But I think UB is pretty much up there, right there with OU. But we've been talking about teams built for the tournament, built to win in March. Kent State this year actually is pretty much the perfect build to win a conference and win a team. Um, defensively, just a menace, which mm -hmm. is I've never seen from a Rob Senderoff team. Usually these Kent State teams, especially the good ones the last couple of years, are high flying, high variance, three point shooting, like blocks, turnover, steals, but not really a consistent defensive team. This team is a dog defensively. Like they muck these games up. And then you get a dude like Sincere Carey, who could be a scorer oh, in bucket. any, he could be a scorer in any co conference in the country. The dude, he put up 42 this week, earlier this week. He put up 20 something last night. They've got talent all over on this roster. It's a pretty deep team. Um, I'm just really bullish on Kent just because of the defensive, the defensive ceiling that they've I've never seen them have in the last couple of years. But Carey is one of those guys. When you look at like a Mac tournament and someone getting hot, he's a guy that could put up 25 points plus three nights in Cleveland, and then it's a wrap, and we get the and we get a tournament bid again. Yeah, um, that's what the concern. But what concerns me is that if he's not going, they are cold. Like he create. He not only is their best scorer he is their best creator and if he's not going at all 
which could very well happen against a UB team who is who is going to give Kent a lot of problems athletically on Monday, right. on Friday, no matter what. That's what worries me. Like UB is honestly their worst matchup. They do not match up with UB well, as we saw earlier at Alumni Arena. UB yeah. kind of controlled that game from the tip. Like it was pretty much a wrap. Right, and and I think UB's kind of similar with Jonathan Williams, where he is the offense that goes yeah. through Jonathan here. Um, and it, it's pretty crazy too, because I coming into the year I had high expectations for UB, and then I was kind of like, all right, I think Ohio Toledo might just be better. They might just be better. Yo, Sometimes Toledo, just Toledo's just nasty, bro. They Toledo's just always good. nasty. But I thought Ohio and Toledo probably had the most balanced starting fives of any team in the MAC. Probably the best overall teams. But I'll tell you what, Jake. Kent State and Buffalo are the two hottest teams in the MAC right now. Something's yeah, got to give on March fourth, but regardless of what happens on March fourth, they're the two hottest teams. And in these mid-major conferences, you just ride the hot teams. It's I think momentum. we're seeing each other. I think we're seeing each other in Cleveland. I think there's I would, no doubt. I would, love, I would, love, I would love, I would love to see that. I would love to see I, that. I, I, we, we saw it a couple years fun. ago. We did see it a couple years ago with then. Uh, we've seen it a couple times. Donnie, what are your thoughts on anything hearing about the Mac? Any any Mac thoughts at all from this? I want to hear see what you gathered. No, I I I, I need to see I need to see this face off now, dude. You guys, you guys, you do need to watch all this jazzed game. up. Nah, bro. High level Mac games are like as good as any college basketball game you could watch. Like, and yeah. Kent and UB are have been these, especially these like the last five years when UB has been at their peaks. Kent has played them so tough almost every single game. Like it'll be a good game no matter what. That place will get electric too. Kent Kent shows out for the UB games. Yeah, I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the train wreck group chat will be popping that day. Oh, I'm gonna be talking so much shit on Friday. Gonna get, <laughs> they're gonna be it, so mad. It, it's gonna be great. And I mean, besides the Mac two, I just can't wait for all these conference tournaments. I try to tell people this every single year. Everyone gets hyped for the March Madness tournament, which is Watch you should be. Tournaments. It's probably the best couple weeks in sports. Watch the conference tournaments. Yeah. You will see some of the most entertaining basketball, good or bad. It could be horrible quality. <laughs> it could be fantastic because not only, you know, you're going to watch the SEC, you're going to watch the ACC, the Big 12. You're going to watch the big ones. Watch a Northeastern game. Watch a Summit game. Watch a SWAC game because I'll tell you why. The teams in those tournaments, it's win or lose. It's win or go home. You're not getting an at-large kids, bid. That is those You're, kids' dreams, like yes. on the line. It's more. They're than, playing it's more to than get in. Else. They're yeah. playing to get waxed by fifty to Gonzaga in the first <laughs> round. They're playing to get into the tournament, and it's such electric basketball. You'll yeah. see some of the best moments, some of the craziest comebacks, and you'll hear of players' names that you've never even heard of because you know they're playing yeah. for a team like let's say Bellarmine, and then that guy drops thirty a night in the tournament. And next thing you know, he's a staple household name max atmos made his name from the summit league tournament he took over all those games and then that's where he got the upset over ohio state and then florida in the next round and i'll tell you what guys i would not have predicted oral roberts to get to the sweet 16 if it wasn't for watching the summit tournament that's yeah. where you find the cinderella teams because true. it's one thing to that's look at the true. numbers look at the stats the records the metrics but it's another thing to have the eye test for these teams that no one's heard of because you know what? Those kids know that too. They know that, hey, no one's talked about me. No one knows how good we are. That's where you see these stories, these Cinderella teams, and I absolutely love it. The conference tournaments is the best. You'll see 
a ton of picks for me next couple weeks of conference tournaments, opinions on games. I'll be losing my mind on a game you didn't even know existed or probably find a stream of. We got another guy in train wreck now, Troy Van Dam at TV Dinner TV 14. TV Dinner. Who's great. What fun? a great name, bro. That awesome is incredible. Name. TV Dinner 14. He's been pumping oh. out college basketball articles left and right. I'm hoping to get him on a couple live streams soon because he knows as much about the sport as anyone. We need him here. He's we we got to get all four all of us games. going. I would love that. Get him here. Get a little March Madness. Even talk about some conference tournaments. We can do a recap of the at-large teams, the bubble pitcher. He knows as much as anyone. I can't wait for the ne these next few weeks, guys. It's going to be fantastic. Watch the conference tournaments. I know March Madness is coming up in two, three weeks. Watch the conference tournaments, people. You won't be disappointed. It is electric basketball. Yeah, and as we, we did it last year, we kept it rolling, March Madness, right into the NBA playoffs. Nope. Oh. We'll do it again this year. It's it, and this is it's gonna be it's a, a great time NBA of year. Playoffs. Easter, the Eastern year. Conference playoffs. The Eastern Conference play. You better have me on for the Eastern Conference oh playoff preview God. because I can't wait. I don't for think that. I'm gonna be able to breathe. Like I, I haven't be been this hyped for the oh first round of NBA playoffs in a long time. Watch. Yo, oh, like Donnie, I, oh, I can't like wait, Like I said man. to you guys before, as a Cavs fan, I've never seen a playoff series without LeBron James. I don't know what playoff basketball feels like. Like I don't know what a real playoff game feels like. Donnie has just been going through, like, iterations of iterations of different Celtics teams mm -hmm. in different playoff scenarios. Yeah, something special for this one. <laughs> this one. I, special. Yo, I do. Listen, we've been I'm high sorry. on your boys the whole time. I have, I have a bit of news for you guys, though. From a personal basketball level, I unretired yesterday from pickup Ooh. basketball from two Ooh. years. Okay. Yeah, co before COVID was the last time I got in a pickup run, got in yesterday. What um, was the stat I, line looking like? I compare my game. Well, so so it's a nice, beautiful thing. Dunny, I think you can do it in Boston. I don't think we have it in Buffalo yet, Stevie. But mm. it's this app just called Just Play, and you just find oh, pickup no. runs around the city, pay like 10 bucks to that. go rent the gym out. And you can just Not go and just play. And I was like, I had no idea what to expect going in, but it was just like a normal pickup run. Like guys were pretty decent. We were all about the same skill level, whatever. Um, you play games to seven, so everybody gets on the court. You know, yeah. you switch it up and everything. I I said yesterday my comparison is like Lakers Rondo. Like I'm Let's I'm I, okay. I yesterday I'm a very I was a very inconsistent shooter. My shots broken. Haven't shot in like six months. <laughs> I did hit a game winner though in one of those seven point oh, games. Hit a three. Let's go. So that was good. But I'm I in most pickup basketball I'm good for some for mostly assists and some defense. So I was I'm on Lakers Rondo level. But unretired. Okay. I'm back Love in that. it. I, my knees Love felt that. good today. So that was that was the plus. That That's was my bonus. big news. It is, but I do think in Boston they have this thing too. So if you're looking, Dunny, at anything, it was like literally the most relaxed pickup run I've ever been to. Like super easy. Yeah, I actually have a I have an old man league that I used to play because oh, my dad played in I it, love an old man and uh, I used to play in high school. And I'm, I think I'm going. I think I'm rejoining Tuesday. And I'm you should get some go. run in. So dude, the old, there's nothing better than an old there's nothing better than an old man pickup run. I had one. Yeah, in Kent it makes you feel so good. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's true. It does. Yeah, the best part about those pickup games is like after possession, everyone walks to the other side of the court. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the old man leaves the yelling best. at they're you. No they... back. There's no transition basketball. No. My favorite. Yeah, we play. <laughs> we play like uh, right. side to side because we have hoops on the side in this gym. We don't even. We don't even play full court. Well, it is. It's technically it's, full court. Yeah. But it's a short yeah. full court. That's yeah. funny. 
Yeah, we had we had kids that would like because like they if the old guys needed some guys and you were shooting around, they'd ask you whatever. But you'd have to like earn their trust because like if you start, yeah. some kids start like running around doing too much, they're like, "Nah, get out of here! Like this is not what we're here for. We're not here to be running up and down the floor, bro." We're they're like, "Did you just do a reverse layup? Get out of the gym!" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why are you, you playing start- full court defense? What are you doing? Yeah. Man? <laughs> There's no such thing as a shoot. fast break. No such thing. Not at all. But that's it. My knees feel good today, guys. I'm, I feel like we're coming back. If that's my bet worst day, that's a good start. That's what you guys think. Yeah, about, that's you know? it's true. The only the only thing I'll, I'll I'll say here at the end is you know after what we've been going for a little over hour fifteen here after yeah. listening to Stevie Richardson here. Forget about John Rothstein. Forget about Dan Ravel. This <laughs> this dude knows his college hoops better than anyone on the internet. Yes, I think. Does. And, you know, get get used to it because we're going to have these college shows coming down the line. Of course, we're still going to be doing NBA shows weekly. We're going to be do- it's that time of year. College basketball shows it's weekly the best time of the year tournament games. Then we get into the March Madness. March is here. Um, so, yeah, stay locked in with us. NBA and college going forward. Can't wait. Let's and do I'm it. I'm telling you guys, got to bring Troy on here. He's an encyclopedia yes. with college TV basketball. We'll have some on. great conversations going forward. I we'll can't promise another 15 over two upset call in March Madness. Can't promise <laughs> that, but we'll see. We'll, well see what the future we're holds. Try. Well, yeah, you set a high standard, Stevie, but we'll, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we have to, we'll, we'll, we got to try to live up to it with something. I am picking right now, though. I'm telling you, I'm going Kentucky Duke in the national championship right now that would be and, i'll tell you what that oh that, that would be the perfect send-off for coach k's final season as much that's, as i dislike duke too. and all the you know everything about the duke program the fans it'd be, whatever kentucky it would be, be the perfect team it'd be, kentucky would be the perfect team it'd be, it poetic, be poetic to have final year duke first kentucky in the final that'd be electric that'd probably be the best ratings we'd have for a championship in a long oh time. by far by far all right, follow us at Happy Hour Hoops One. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere. Like someone said, that made a great point on the podcast that I was listening to the other day. Like, why do we say subscribe to where you listen to podcasts? Because if you're listening to this podcast, you know where you listen to your podcast. <laughs> so wherever you're listening to this, yeah, that like you just do that. So that'll work. Yeah. Poor Jake, Stevie, Dunny. Have a great day, folks. Enjoy your basketball. We got a basketball marathon, NBA basketball marathon today. So tune on ES, ABC, ESPN. Great games all day. Have a good weekend, guys. Later, guys.